Hello, and welcome to Courage to Be, a podcast on becoming. This is episode number 14, and today we're going to spend some time talking about a couple different mindfulness practices. We may only get to one, not quite sure yet, um, but I think that would be a good place to, to start. Uh, how are you doing, Steve? It's been almost a month since we talked. I, I know. We've both been busy finishing semesters and traveling. I'm doing mm-hmm. good. Just just got back from Colorado, and uh, as always, uh, whining uh, with with, with uh, Dr. Carver, uh, this Oklahoma heat blows and not in a good way. Yeah, um, I've spent most of the day inside today because it's been too hot here in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't have we spoken since I went on vacation and went up to see Crater Lake and did all that stuff. Mm-mm, you have not. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been a bit because that was that was early July. So, um, wow. So we've not done a podcast in a little bit. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, so as Steve and I were, were just chatting back and forth in, in text, trying to decide what to do on this podcast, um, we kind of realized that we both have been di- deep diving into some different meditation practices. And I thought it would be good to um, speak about those t- meditation practices. So I've been doing a deep dive into loving kindness meditation. And Steve's been doing a deep dive into effortless mindfulness. And that's something I'm not terribly familiar with. Nor am I. (laughs) But it is interesting. You are more familiar than I am, for sure. Yeah. Well, hopefully you're you're knowledgeable enough to be able to do a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to see, right? Right, right. So we're going to talk about both of these. If it's too long, we're going to break it up into two podcast episodes. So... Um, before I dive in and read the Metta Sutta, Metta is loving kindness meditation. Uh, so the Metta Sutta is the Sutta for that. Um, before we dive into that, though, Steve, do you have any thoughts? Well, I, uh, yeah, and um, the just a, a prelude. The effortless. I do want to get to it, and uh, it's been a it's been around a long time, but it's somewhat of an imported, as many meditation practices are. But uh, it, it's come from other cultures, and it's really intriguing and interesting. And it takes us into a um, conversation about what consciousness is. So I'm looking forward to doing that. So I guess to start, let me read this sutta. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. This, the sutta goes, this is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and skill and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety may all things be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another, <clears throat> excuse me, or despise any being in any state. Let none, through anger or ill will, wish harm upon another, even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child. So with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection 
that is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. So that is the metta sutta, um, the Buddha's words on loving kindness. You know, the first thing that I wanted to say about this sutta, and and much of the teachings in Buddhism is, and we've hit it, we've hit on this before, but cultivation. It's the idea of cultivating mind. Uh, in, to become a different type of mind, a different type of awareness and consciousness. And so when I think of the, the Mita Sutta and the teachings on loving kindness, I, I always say we Americans who are very individualistic, right? And that's not bad. That's just our culture. Let's keep in mind that when we do this kind of meditation, that we're cultivating a different way to look at the world. And, and my understanding of what the Buddha taught, and then uh, there are a few other people that figure into this historically, uh, Buddha Gosa. Well, I, I'm not going to remember all, but this has been uh, kicked around, reified, reworked. The idea here is to cultivate over time a sense of equanimity and care and love for every being, you know. And so that cultivation means it's going to take some time to really get this, you know, under your belt. And the idea that I remember from early teachings that I got, it's almost like blowing a conch cell of loving kindness that goes out in all directions. And so you breathe in and you breathe out, but the, the notion behind this is to just emanate light of care and love for everyone, mm-hmm. all, all beings. So, uh, and that, that, <laughs> I'm not there and it, it can be a challenge. Absolutely. Well, and it's just in, in general, um, the way that I've been doing it, at least, and some of the instructions that I've been reading. And I've been reading a few different books on loving kindness and on attachment theory, actually, um, which I'm going to tie into this later on in terms of the clinical application or the mental health effects of loving kindness meditation. Um, But really, you tend to start um, on a small scale with yourself. and, and you focus and, and picture yourself in mind and, and send loving kindness your way. Um, instead of focusing on breathing, like we do in a lot of other meditations, we're focusing on phrases and mm-hmm. we repeat them quietly to ourselves. You know, um, may I be happy. May I live at ease. May I be safe. Um, may I be peaceful. You know, those sorts of things. Um, and, and really it's kind of, um, whatever comes to mind, but generally trying to hold on to a few of these concepts. Um, and then you do that towards yourself and then you, you expand it outward. Um, and you think about people that are close to you, people that you care about and you extend those same wishes towards them. Um, and then you extend it even further, um, towards, you know, people that you may casually know or acquaintances or somebody that you've seen, but you don't really know that well, and you extend it towards them. Uh, then you extend it even further towards people that you may be in conflict with or may have a hard time with or may just straight up not like, um, which can be one of the ones that people struggle with. Um, I think I've not struggled with that one as much as I've struggled with the directed towards self, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I've spoken to clients who have tried this and they've said something similar. Mm-hmm. It can be really hard to focus loving kindness towards yourself yeah. and receive it, right? Um and then finally, you go out to all living things, um, all beings, 
and extending loving kindness to all beings. May all beings live with peace. May all beings live at ease. May all beings be happy. May all beings be safe. You know, those sorts of things. May all and beings so, be free of suffering, those kinds of things. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. I knew I was forgetting one that I normally go through. Yeah. but um, <laughs> So you've been um, doing this for a while? You say? Um, so I was doing it pretty, pretty heavily for a while. Um, and then, and I was actually noticing some effects from this. Mm-hmm. Um, like I did it for about a month straight, um, you know, and it was really noticeable the, the, the effects of that meditation. And then when I went on vacation, everything kind of went to shit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, had, a, had a death in the family, um, and had to, to really spend a lot of time with the kids. And, you know, I took my daughter on vacation. We went up to Oregon and drove up the coast and went to Crater Lake and did all these things. And so um, my meditation practice suffered for about a month. Yeah. I think there was 21 days that I wasn't home, hmm. um, just straight. So, um, so I'm getting back into it. The last hmm. week and a half, I've been kind of getting back into to doing it again um, because, frankly, I was needing it. Um, it felt it was really helpful to do this sort of meditation. It's probably been the most helpful meditation I've done. You point out a couple of things here that I think were worth emphasizing. And the one is, you know, we, we do hit a point in our meditative practice to where we, we miss it and the benefits of it. And loving kindness, although it can be a challenge, and I'm sure we'll talk about what those challenges are. You've already mentioned one. But mm-hmm. if, you can, if you can get it down, same here. I, I really... It was a powerful, transformative type of meditation for me. Um, and and you, it's been said that true meditators would rather meditate than do anything else. And I don't know about that. I mean, I'm not that advanced, obviously. But <laughs> there is something, you know, that we, we, we start to long for it and need it. And mm-hmm. I think especially this kind, Chris, because there's something about it. Remember, the cultivation idea, in, in the end, I've heard one teacher, probably Pema Chidrone, someone ask her, uh, well, does this really help the person that you're sending this out to? And she said, well, that's hard to measure. There have Mm -hmm. been some studies that indicate prayer is helpful and meditation is helpful when people are healing from a physical problem or, you know, injury or illness. She goes, but you benefit from it. And I think Mm -hmm. that's true. You just start to melt into a more accepting and, and benevolent state. Absolutely. And you notice when you stop doing it, like in terms of there are a few days where I'm like, my mood wasn't great. And I'm like, why is my mood not great? And it's like, oh, wait a minute. I've not meditated. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So uh, it's pretty remarkable. Um, So do you have more thoughts on on the Metta Sutta before I dive into the attachment stuff that I want to talk about? No, I I did want to say two things. Um, You bring that barrier uh, to doing this for the self. There Mm -hmm. are there are um, renowned uh, meditation and Buddhist teachers that have spoken to that. And, in, and some have modified, actually, to start with the neutrals, people that you, you don't mm-hmm. have negative or positive feelings. Start there and then, then shift into, um, you know, giving it to the self. But, uh, yeah, that's a particular Western, Western struggle here because of, uh, you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That, that's important to pay attention to if you start doing this. Uh, the other thing is this is a different kind of meditation, I think, and uh, it, it will get more into that, but uh, it does create <laughs> a different wave <laughs> when I do mm-hmm. this as compared to others. 
you know, you have the insight meditation, the Vipassana, uh, whatever kind, but this is a special kind. I really want to emphasize that. And it, it does create calmness and uh, benevolence uh, within the self. And it's funny because I was, I was reading, there's a book called um, Real Love, The Art of Mindful Connection by Sharon Salzberg. Mm, good one. And, and, I'm, and I'm trying to remember if we've mentioned her. I, we probably have on the podcast before. This book is a really wonderful book. Um, and Sharon Salzberg is kind of a leader in bringing loving kindness meditation to the masses from what I understand. has written quite a bit on it and has done quite a bit on it. Um, and so that's been really helpful. Also, there's been some guided meditations on Insight Timer that I've been using. Um, there was one by, oh man, I can't remember her name. Uh, Bachelor's her last name, I believe. I believe she is married to Stephen Bachelor, the hmm. um, Buddhism Without Beliefs. Well, good um, book. Yeah, yeah. I believe that. I believe they are linked. I think they're married, um, but I could be mistaken on that. And if I am, I apologize. Um, and one of the major takeaways that I got from that particular one is, which was helpful in the directing kindness towards yourself mm. a piece was find some small part of yourself that feels happy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, may I, may I be happy? And so you lean into whatever part of yourself feels happy because yeah. generally we can find something to feel happy about in our mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. And so you lean into that and kind of embody that happiness, you know, may, may I be safe. And, and you lean into a feeling of safety that you have in some capacity and you kind of embody that safety. So you're, you're calling in kind of felt sense, emotional states with your meditation. You know, may I feel at ease? May I be, may I live it? May I live in ease? May I, may I not suffer those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and so that particular embodiment piece, um, has been really helpful. Is that something that you've experienced or have been taught in your meditation practice with, with this t type? Yeah. And, and I, um, somewhat culture, either I'm very narcissistic or it's a cultural variable with me. I, I tended to not have trouble with the wishing love to, you know, well being to the self. And I remember my med well, a couple of meditation teachers, they were, they were prepped, you know, for, well, I don't, I, I can't do that. I feel too bad about myself, but uh, I, mm -hmm. I, it was easy for me to do. And I think that, well, not easy, but um, I think that there's a cultural thing here. And I just pulled up in preparation for recording uh, very well mind, which I go to that pretty routinely in an article by, by Elizabeth Scott. And she says uh, benefits of loving kindness meditation during this type of meditation, loving kindness, uh, you will focus on a benevolent and loving energy toward yourself and others. And they're, many well-documented benefits of traditional meditation. Uh, but as with other techniques, this is a specific, this is a form of meditation that will take practice. And then she says it can be difficult and sometimes leads to resistance since the average person is not used to this level of giving and receiving love. So I think that's, that's a big cultural component. Oh, absolutely. And if you look at attachment styles, yeah. um, in, not in terms of like attachment in the Buddhist sense, um, but in terms of the psychological attachment, you know, mm -hmm. uh, secure, avoidant, uh, anxious or ambivalent, um, and disorganized, um, those made those four attachment styles, um, receiving love. Like if you're having avoidant attachment style, receiving love can actually contribute to dissociating. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and I've heard of that with anxious folks as well, where it's, so it's like, we are not conditioned unless we have a secure attachment style to receive love in ways 
that are that are healthy. You know, we we tend to to react either we cling to it and we draw really close and we become what some people might say is um, like clingy and obsessive if we have an anxious attachment style, um, or we become fairly standoffish and push it away. Or if we're dis- if we're um, disorganized, we go back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into this more in another podcast, I think, because I've been fascinated with some of the links between attachment theory and Buddhism. Um, Steve and I, with with one of my colleagues, Quinn uh, Walsh, and with Bonnie Barrand, um, have proposed a presentation on this recently, too. So um, well, it, it, do it, a deep dive. I'm interjecting again here, but it is considered um, – uh, there are a number of loving-kindness, compassion-based psychological interventions out there. I mean, that that's an actual mm-hmm. thing where they're, we're taking this and utilizing it to help people uh, get better psychologically and emotionally. So as I was reading through some of the materials um, over the last couple months, actually, when I started doing this type of meditation and, and up to this podcast, um, you know, focusing on loving-kindness um, does actually release chemicals in the brain. It makes you feel better. And over time, we start to, to change the way we feel. We change um, our neurology to, 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 to a different state. So by doing this type of meditation, you actually do change how you feel. Um, you change the way you receive um, information and, and process things, and, and you kind of you develop a, a more adaptive way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's something that's worth mentioning as well. Well, and, and it, let's turn to the attachment stuff I'm interested in hearing what you have to say and I have a few things to say but it's just um, it's just um, loving kindness has been implicated in helping people manage uh, social anxiety uh, uh, anger conflict mm-hmm. avoidance uh, relationship issues marital struggles and I'm definitely uh, re- reading from different sources here but that Elizabeth Scott piece, how to practice loving kindness meditation and very well mind has a lot of this in it. So it's just, it's really a, a very nice thing to help help us. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and in general with the, with the attachment stuff, um, the major point I wanted to make that I just thought was really cool is I was also reading a book called the power of attachment, how to create deep and lasting intimate relationships by uh, Diane Poole Heller, H E L L E R, which I don't know if we've talked about this one, Steve. Uh, I'm holding it up. We we record these on Zoom, um, and then Mm-mm. just do the audio. Um, great book. Uh, what what's really great about that book in particular is it ties into trauma, and so it actually takes the stance which aligns with my view of things and, and what's held true in my clinical experience that relationship distress and disconnection, relational disconnection, can be traumatic in many of the same ways trauma is. Um, in terms of brain development, we form connections before we have some of that higher level functioning. And so it bypasses some of the same areas of the brain that trauma bypasses. Mm. And so we have this almost immediate felt sense reaction to um, attachment concerns, to disconnection and connection, um, similar to how we do with trauma reactions. And Mm. so, um, so I think, first off, I think that's fascinating and, and is accurate. I think um, a lot of our traumas are attachment-based traumas. Um, I would go so far as to say that I think most folks that have like borderline personality disorders, for oh, example, yeah. have trauma and attachment concerns. You know, um, To me, that personality disorder f- seems different 
than some of the other ones in terms of the pathology. And, and that's, again, anecdotal, my experience, my views. Um, I'm not saying that I've read hundreds of research articles that state that, but that's my my view on it. Um, and so as I was reading through this, uh, I was looking at some of the different attachment styles. And what's great about this book is it actually gives you hands-on, concrete ways to help develop secure attachment styles. Like interventions you can do with your partner, interventions you can do by yourself uh, to try to foster um, a more secure attachment style, uh, which I think is great. Like, for example, um, one of the ones is um, you, co-regulation. Um, and so if you are coming and developing um, departure and arrival routines with your partner. Mm -hmm. And so, like, for example, if you, one of the partners comes home and the other one's cooking, the example they give is turn the stove down and, and hug each other, do a front-facing hug until your your nervous systems co-regulate hmm. until wow. you both can kind of balance out so you're both on the same frequency um as a way to help develop some of that secure attachment and there's also research on you know if you have an attachment a healthy attachment with somebody and you're holding their hands that actually reduces your stress um mm -hmm. and so there's there's a whole lot of stuff out there on that but as i was reading through it the thing that i thought was great is one of the hands-on practices for somebody who has an anxious attachment style um, or an ambivalent attachment style, these are kind of interchangeable terms, is actually practice loving-kindness meditation. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Which I just think is so cool. Um, and, you know, just in general, too, a lot of this stuff um, really boils down to, if you don't have a secure attachment, the, the kind of um, too long, didn't read version of this is, if you don't have a secure attachment, you're going to have to work on your distress tolerance skills. Uh -huh. um, because you're going to have to tolerate the distress and know that your attachment style is getting in your way until you can foster and form a secure uh, attachment to somebody. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the major takeaway. But the idea that loving kindness is actually just like right in that section is one of the interventions to do to help you develop secure attachments um, because you you develop the ability to give and receive affection and be okay in that kind of in-between space. Well, no, I, I think back to uh, when I first started my, my graduate training in psychology, uh, went to the University of Michigan, and there they were heavy-handed psychoanalytic, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm talking old school. But um, And then there were some more psychodynamic, you know, folks who put other things in there above mm -hmm. and beyond the old Freud stuff. But they taught excellent courses on uh, what, what's called object relations. There's something about... What you just said, I, I recall one of my professors, Dr. McLean, saying the self is literally carved out and put together through attachment. And, mm. you know, there's no way a self can evolve at all without the imprint of caregivers mm -hmm. and the environment that they're in. And so when you talked about that, I, I mean, that makes a whole lot of sense. And she had a really cool diagram, you know, about, about how how mommy and daddy, mainly mommy in her theory, mm -hmm. literally carved out the self in, in your brain, your neurology, your endocrine system, your hormonal system. And, but it is so true. And it's just, and, and now you think about what's going on. May I be happy? May I be safe? Mm -hmm. Getting that down and practicing that, uh, think of neuroplasticity and all yeah. the emotional regulation and correcting for dysregulation that, that is is promised here with this type of meditation. So no, I just, I, this is so, uh, so powerful. I, I appreciate the research you did for this. I, I hadn't connected the two together. Well, absolutely. I think it's fascinating stuff and, and it's something that 
you know, working on with clients as well who are dealing with anxious attachment styles. I seem to get a lot of anxious attachment style oh, clients. Yeah, yeah. They seem to, to, to be drawn to me for some reason, which is great because I enjoy working with that population. Um, but, you know, if you think about the first year and a half to two years of life, our brains aren't fully developed. And um, one of the things that I was reading in this book about attachment is like we have a lot of gray matter in our brain. We have the ability wired in to attach or be safe in all kinds of different ways. And so the the adaptive the the non-secure attachment styles are adaptive based on our environment and they are designed to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. And so we we once we've developed those we prune off the secure attachment connections and we have to reconnect them through these practices. Mm-hmm. A lot more than just loving kindness meditation. Mm-hmm. But if you think about when you're when you're a year and a half up to, up to a year and a half to 2 years you don't have the ability to regulate your own emotions. You're you're uh-huh. relying on your caregivers to help you feel safe. You're relying on your caregivers to teach you how to regulate emotion through eye contact, through them, through their emotional state, and through their attachment styles as well, and how that manifests in the relationship with their children. Um, and so, you if you look at this, like if you look at the um, at the the sutta, um, so. May all beings be at ease. That ease feeling is something that comes in early childhood through your connection with your parents. Do you feel comforted? Do you feel safe? Do you feel at ease? Do you feel loved? You know, all those sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so so if you don't have the ability to do that, you can kind of reprogram some of those connections, especially in that anxious attachment style where we don't feel safe, mm-hmm. where we have a lot of anxiety about disconnection or about the threat of disconnection. And so this can help kind of foster those connections within the self of holding on to love and affection and, and knowing that it's there when it's not constantly being fed to you mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because you didn't develop that ability in childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I had someone talk about, and I actually did it when I was uh, in uh, Colorado and then um, New Mexico uh, working with clients, uh, they had a uh, self-soothing sh- uh, bookshelf with mm-hmm. uh, different stuffed animals on it. And at the clinic uh, and the agency I was at, uh, you would help folks to figure out how to self-soothe. And one of the steps was to create this kind of loving kindness. And you would sit with the person and you know make sure they were okay. Because it can be hard if you have these insecure attachment styles to try and mm-hmm. radiate this love toward yourself. And then one... Um, I can't remember the assessment tool they used, but then they would have, uh, you could check out a teddy bear and practice <laughs> self-soothing and love on that teddy bear if it was too tough to create it for yourself. Mm. And uh, you're, you're, you really are recreating, uh, you're rerouting the trauma-based reactivity. And, and even with clients that are dealing with things like depression, for example, a lot of depression, um, especially if you look at like Ellis, the, you know, a lot of cognitive behavioral therapies, the idea of negative cognition. Negative self-talk is so prevalent in, in in depression. I think that's true. I also think there's a lot of emotional states and attachment stuff in there too. Um, but just from that that perspective of looking at negative self-talk and self-beliefs, mm-hmm. when you're feeling depressed, if you can start to practice loving kindness towards yourself, that can combat uh, the depression. Yeah, yeah you can feel kindness towards yourself and love towards yourself and safety and all those things, which can, those are incompatible with the negative self-talk and self-beliefs that go with, or they, at least they, they counter them. They, 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 
they go against them, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't think you're you're a terrible human being and not worth anything, and also think that you are worthy of love and that you're worthy of safety and living with ease and those other things. Yeah, well, be, being around meditators and, and being involved in the Tampao Temple, um, and my own experience is, you know, again taking time and renegotiating anxieties you may have. You know, the more you meditate, the more you can create this uh, this calm, maybe not blissful, but certainly uh, warm equanim- equanimity reigns supreme. And you and you move into these spaces. Uh, and when you think about that, there in time, I don't think there's room. This has been my experience. I don't think there's room in those spaces for that negative self-talk. Uh, and it, it becomes, and this gets us in, I'm not trying to preempt here and get into uh, effortless mindfulness, but this is one of the tenets of this that school of thinking and practice that you can instantaneously reroute, if you will, consciousness to open up to a more expansive, mm-hmm. self-abiding and connection with, with others and the world. But if you think about it too, the parts of yourself that is, the part of yourself that is being so self-critical, you can actually regard with compassion and love. Which, um, and if you look at some of the gestalt techniques, some of the emotion focused therapy techniques that do the two chair stuff where you Mm -hmm. actually have Mm -hmm. the harsh voice and you try to strengthen the soft voice and soften the critic. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's, there are so many parallels with so many psychological interventions, um, therapeutic interventions. It's just fascinating stuff. So I think what we should probably do is, is wrap it on this one. We had also mentioned, um, when we were chatting back and forth, and I think I would like to do this if you'd like to do this, Steve, that it might be kind of fun to do a guided meditation on both of these um, meditation styles as well. So I'd be watching for that in the feed too. Um, So we'll do an episode on loving kindness meditation, which you've just listened to. Um, And then we'll put up a guided, um, one of us, probably be me, uh, we'll do a guided uh, loving kindness meditation, 10 or 15 minutes. Um, And then we'll put up the episode on effortless mindfulness. And I, I'm assuming, Steve, you would be the one doing that guided yeah, meditation. Yeah, I, I can do that. Okay. Yeah. And so we're going to try to, with these episodes, get them out every other week. Um, and then maybe in the off weeks, drop that meditation. Um, we'll just have to see what our schedules will allow. I am grading papers. It's the final week of the summer term for me. So um, I may need some loving kindness when it's all said and done. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, be sure and practice <laughs> this as you grade. Well, I, I just wanted to throw out one thing here uh, as we wrap up. Uh, uh, I, my meditation, my Buddhist uh, teacher, I was really struggling uh, one day, and I don't, I don't know why, but because um, I struggled a lot when a certain person was president of our <laughs> United States. But there was one particular thing that uh, uh, I triggered badly, and I was just, I was just, it was a pissy mood and angry, and I didn't really know why. Um, really didn't put it together. And through meditation and insight meditation and journaling, I figured out, you know, it was, it was the whole thing of, uh, you know, kids being detained and put in, in pens and cages, which I'm Native American. And that triggered me back into a lot of the boarding school trauma that our family mm-hmm. carries. But in uh, my very skillful uh, Buddhist mentor uh, listened to me and we, I said, I figured it out. It's, it's certain speeches you know, in certain comments. Mm-hmm. And we worked it for 
about a month, or I worked it for about a month, and then I came back, and guess what my homework was with him? I don't know if I've told you this or not, Chris. I've never heard this, no. What is? Yeah, well, I had to uh, do uh, meta meditation and, you know, work up to it, and I had to uh, uh, wish (laughs) wish safety, loving kindness to Trump, and that was, it turned out to be so big. Uh, Mm Because it was so hard at the time. But there's something that happens when you realize that you can turn that negativity into, again, uh, a sense of uh, acceptance and love. And then we talked about it and how even the person that you think is a monster um, was once a child. And, you know, Mm -hmm. this has been carved into them. And like the rest of us, and this is a cornerstone of loving kindness – we're all interconnected, and uh, it did. It worked, uh, and I just am, I'm very thankful for that uh, session. But well, I did it for a couple of weeks, and that was my mm-hmm. direct instruction to uh, wish loving, uh, do loving kindness meditation with, with uh, Trump. So yeah, it's um, pretty impactful stuff, really. Yeah, um, I, as I think about, there are people in my life who I've had conflict with or some strife with. You know, and, and practicing that kind of meditation has been helpful as well. Well, you um, got to build up to that. I mean, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, I didn't focus it towards Trump because he was out of office. Thank you. <laughs> but I mean, I had to work on it. And that's usually instruction to start mm-hmm. with the self or what Pema Chidron. She says it sounds like science fiction, the neutrals. You know, <laughs> you wish sure. loving kindness to the neutrals and then move into the self and the the folks you really struggle with but it does it does uh at a very deep somatic and i believe brain wave level creates mm-hmm. that sense of acceptance and and defangs the uh, frustration at least that was my experience well and you know it makes me think of that example we've given um a few times where if you're wanting to throw poop at somebody and you're holding on to it waiting to throw it you're the one that ends up stinking mm-hmm. holding yeah. on to anger holding on to um hatred, holding on to these these unpleasant negative emotions ends up doing more damage to you than to anybody else. Yeah. 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 For sure. So um well we could keep going, I'm I, sure. Yeah. On, I, yeah. Um <laughs> I can think of twenty other things I'd like to say, but maybe we'll do another episode down the way. Well um watch watch you know, for the meditations because I I'm anxious to hear your uh, your meet a meditation, Chris. That'll be good. Oh, it'll be pretty basic, really. Um, so also, I, I was just struck with the idea, too, that, you know, you have taken your vows and have been a practicing Buddhist for some time, uh-huh. um, and I've not. Like, I, I, like I've never taken my vows. Um, I consider myself a, a Buddhist. I'm not sure if I buy into all of some of the—I the, might be more secular than otherwise, uh-huh. Uh-huh. right? Um, but still, like, I am— somewhat learning and this podcast is an extension of that learning. And so um, there may be times when we come back and I'm like, yeah, I, I thought about that and I didn't say the right thing there, or I, I changed my interpretation of things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoyed doing this. Yeah. It's just kind of a fun way to stay engaged in my own, my own work and also the work that I'm doing with clients. Cause you see this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remind, remind me to open up uh, when we talk again, a podcast again on intention and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, maybe talk talk a little bit about that and because uh, it's a practice in 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 Buddhism to uh, 
kind of affirm and state the intention. And to me, this podcast, my intention is that there would be some form of, you know, embracing what we talk about and people feeling kinder toward the self, kinder toward others, and enjoy a more pleasant, uh, the more pleasant things that life has to offer in a troubled world. But uh, I'll, I'll do, I'll do an affirmation and a state intention when I talk about effortless mindfulness. Yeah, we can, we can definitely do that. I was, yeah, and you know, we've talked about doing like a religious trauma episode. We, we have that being edited, and I'm not sure when we're going to get that out. Um, you know, we, we want to look at spirituality and, and faith and religion um, and understand how it can help us and how it can get in our way. But overarchingly, we're in complete agreement, Steve, that, you know, this is, you know, my hope as well is that this is something that is growth oriented. Mm-hmm. These are things that I was working on with clients. Um, these are things that, you know, through I've been practicing in some form since, you know, I was a grad student in 2008. Um, you know, and in teaching and all these things, these are things that, that kind of rise to the top as far as some of the most useful concepts that I've, that I've come across. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of, you shouldn't have to pay me to, to get these ideas, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, and I'm, and I'm not saying that I'm the holder of all these ideas by any, because there's so many things I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, when I see it helping my clients, it seems selfish to not share it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the goal is to help people sort their stuff out in terms of finding their own way to walk their own path. Yeah. yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. So I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. We, we really appreciate it. If you find this helpful, uh, I would ask that you share with friends um, and, you know, share with people that maybe you don't like so much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And then yeah. also, you know, you can find the podcast at courage to be pod.com. Um, there's all the episodes linked there. You can listen to it on Spotify, on, um, Apple podcasts, on overcast, on all those platforms. Also, we're not running ads on this. And so, um, we are not making any money on this. We're doing this so far, at least in the tradition of a lot of Buddhist practices where you, you do it for donation, except for we're not even asking for donations. (laughs) Well, we haven't talked about if that's going to change or not, but, um, But we're doing this as a service and we really appreciate your feedback. And so if there's something you would like to hear about or like to to have discussed on the podcast, please send us an email. Oh, yeah. Um, We'd be very happy to to hear your thoughts. Um, And we can leave it with that. Have a, a great week.